am so excited that you are joining me for this Marriage Encounter Project. I'm very excited about this set of teaching that is going to be coming to you via video because I truly believe that it's going to help bring you and your spouse closer together than you have ever been before. I don't care if you've been married for five months, for five years, or 50 years. I believe that God's Word has some details and some information in there that can help us have healthy, vibrant marriages. And so I'm very excited to share this with you. So grab a cup of coffee, get comfortable, and get ready to get dialed in because I I believe that this is going to be beneficial to you. And I want to start with a very simple question. What is the key to a healthy marriage? What is the key to a healthy marriage? Man, if I had the answer to that question, I would be a very rich man. I always find it interesting that if you talk to a couple who has been married for a long time and they have a successful, healthy marriage and you ask them that question, what what was the key to your successful, healthy marriage? They will give you different answers almost every single time. Some couples will say the key to a successful, healthy marriage is communication, while there are other couples who say you have to have mutual interest in order for the marriage to work. Then there are others who say, no, marriage requires good intimacy and And then maybe there's others who say, no, you need to be able to laugh together. My favorite show, uh, Duck Dynasty, Phil Robertson said that the key to a healthy and successful marriage is to always ask the question, can she cook? And what this shows us is, is that different people come up with different answers and that teaches us something right out of the gate. Every successful marriage is going to look a little bit different. You cannot compare your marriage to someone else's marriage and expect to find the secret recipe or the secret sauce for a happy marriage. Why is that? Well, with most issues in marriage, there is no right or wrong way in which to do things. Let's take finances, for example. Should you both work on the bills and the finances together, or should one person be in charge of the finances in order to keep some symmetry and to understand what's going on? Well, there's no right or wrong answer to that. You, You have to figure that out with your spouse. Should you talk about every single little purchase, or should there be some freedom in the marriage to make spending decisions. That's a conversation for you and your spouse. There's no right or wrong answer for that. You cannot turn in the Bible and find the answer for that. Ultimately, that answer comes down to what are your mutual expectations for one another? And I truly believe the key to a healthy, successful, vibrant marriage is that what is that coming to a place where a couple has discovered an alignment of their expectations and a fulfillment of their expectations for one another. So my goal in this series is to help you bring into your marriage an alignment of expectations for you and your spouse so that you can have a healthy, vibrant marriage. Now, how are you going to do that? How are you going to get the most out of this series? Well, I think it's going to take a few things. Number one, you need to have 100% honest, transparent and humble conversations with your spouse. We have provided for you some questions to go along with this video series, and you need to take time and discuss these questions with your spouse. And while you're discussing, remember that you need to try to be honest and transparent with your spouse, but you also need to be humble in your feedback with your spouse. You're, You're not using these questions as weapons against one another. You're using these questions to build a healthy foundation of expectations. 
so that you can meet those expectations and deal with your expectations. The second thing you need to do is while you're having these conversations with your spouse, you need to listen very carefully to your spouse. The most important thing in your discussion is not what you're going to say, but what you're going to hear. You need to listen very closely to each other and hear the expectations of your partner for your marriage, because if you're not willing to meet those expectations or you have a different understanding of expectations, you're setting yourself up for turmoil later on. And the last thing you need to do to get the most out of this video series is you need to take time and you need to take it serious with your spouse. I would encourage you to take this series very seriously as a couple for several reasons, because it teaches you to put effort into your marriage. It teaches you to deal with potential conflict before it becomes a problem. And it teaches you to meet the needs of your spouse directly. And I want to speak to the guys very specifically for a second. I know a lot of us as guys, the idea of working on our marriage is not the most exciting thing that we could think of. But I want to encourage you to invest this time with your spouse, because it's an investment that's going to pay dividends in your life and not only in your life, but also in the lives of your children and your peers in your sphere of influence. So here's the big idea of this talk. Every marriage needs alignment in order to be healthy and vibrant. I want to read to you out of Genesis chapter number two, starting in verse number 18. It says this. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever that man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to all the birds of the heaven and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. The Bible says that Adam and Eve were one flesh in their marriage. And I want to ask you a question. What does that term mean for you and your spouse? What does it mean to become one flesh? I will tell you what it means to me. I believe that becoming one flesh is when two people align themselves spiritually, emotionally, and physically with each other and with the Lord God in the covenant of marriage. And that's why I personally believe that alignment is the key to a successful marriage because it brings you into one accord. When a couple is in alignment, they're heading in the same direction in life. When a couple is in alignment, they're working to achieve the same goals and the same purposes individually and in their marriage. When a couple is in alignment, they're working together to overcome challenges and obstacles. When two people are in alignment and they're joined together with the Lord as their God and they're heading in the same direction, literally every single area in life is moving the same direction. Nothing can pull them apart. From my observation, every marriage that has alignment 
is filled with love, with joy, and with peace. However, when a couple is out of alignment, then there is a constant and a contrast of tension and friction in that marriage. They're, they're not working in harmony with one another. They don't have joint goals and ambitions, and they're working against each other, and they're not working for each other. And that breeds a lot of chaos and frustration, both for the husband and for the wife, because there is no synergy in that marriage. It's painfully obvious to both parties, and that breeds contentment even sometimes for one another. Ecclesiastes 4 uh, teaches us the value of being in alignment. Starting in verse number nine, here's what the scripture says. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. If you ever think that you are better off alone than you are with your spouse, you know that you're out of alignment because what this scripture just teaches us is that two are better than one. A husband and wife in alignment are better than two individuals on their own is what the scripture is teaching us. And when God is in the mix, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Your marriage can't fall apart. And so our goal in this series is to bring us into alignment for the purpose of marriage. Now, we need to deal with that for a moment. What is the purpose of marriage? My, my favorite definition of marriage that I've ever read is from Daniel Freeman. And he said this, marriage is a relationship between a man and a woman intended by God to be a monogamous relationship, intended to be a permanent bond in which many needs are satisfied, the need for love and to be loved. A need for deep friendship, for sharing, for companionship, for sexual satisfaction, for children, and the need to escape loneliness. Marriage ought to be a bond of love, reflecting the love Christ has for his people, a bond of sacrificial love where the husband and wife have become one, one flesh, a unit. I love that definition of marriage. I think it holds true to the definition and the pattern that we see from Scripture. Now, the idea of alignment in marriage sounds wonderful, but the problem is that each person brings baggage to the marriage that creates this friction, that creates these tension points where there is not alignment. When you start talking about alignment in marriage, very quickly it becomes apparent that both parties are bringing baggage to the to the table. Before you get married, everyone has baggage. You had baggage, your spouse had baggage, and then when you got married, you put all of your baggage together and now you have a big pile of baggage that you have to work through. To complicate the matter even more, as time goes along, the longer you are married, the marriage itself starts to accumulate its own baggage associated with it. Broken promises, unmet expectations, and setbacks in life all add to this baggage. And what happens is these different baggages begin to breed and bring tension points to the marriage that are going to cause every marriage to drift over time. So couples have to, from time to time, come together and say, we need to bring some alignment of our baggage. We need to bring some alignment in these tension points so that we can stay in unity together and we can stay in alignment with one another. These baggage points are going to bring us out of alignment, but we need to fight against that. 
And you need to be aware from the very beginning that in marriage, there are always going to be tension points. So you can't avoid this. This thing that I'm teaching you about baggage and tension points is a reality. You cannot avoid this. This is going to happen. There's going to be a bombardment of tension points in your marriage just because of life itself. You've seen this perhaps in your own marriage or you have witnessed this in life of friends. You've had some friends, a couple who have gone through a divorce and you, you knew the situation very closely and you're looking at it from the outside and you say, I don't see the big problems. I know there's some little tension in here, but I don't see why they're getting divorced. What, what's happening? Well, I can tell you what happened. Their baggage brought tension points that ultimately pulled the couple apart to the place where they believed that they were two completely different individuals, that they were better off without each other, and there was no reconciliation within the relationship. And this needs to be a lesson for us. Tension points are normal and they are natural. We shouldn't be surprised in life when tension points show up in our marriage. But what we need to be doing is we need to be ready when they show up. When tension points show up, we as a husband and wife need to be ready to take those tension points head on and to fix the problems. Now, there are five tension points that tend to come up for couples time and time again. Let me share them with you. The first is this, the tension point of family. Your family is the greatest contributing factor to who you are today. You cannot separate yourself from your family upbringing, both the good things and the bad things. And this is a wonderful thing for a lot of us. And this is a very painful thing for a lot of us. No matter the circumstance, the truth is you are who you are today because of your family upbringing. And we cannot separate ourselves from that. And so when you get married, what happens is now your parents bring tension to the family, your spouse's parents bring tension to the family, your extended family brings tension to your marriage now. If you were married before, or you have children from a previous relationship, now you have blended families. And all of these dynamics can create tension points within a marriage. The second tension point is life direction. A marriage has to be heading in the same direction. For alignment to truly be happening with both the husband and the wife, they need to take their individual goals and they need to join them together to accomplish a purpose within the marriage so that they're heading the same direction. Questions like, what are the goals for our marriage? What are the career goals that you have as an individual and as a couple? What are going to be the roles inside of our home? How do we intend to raise our children? How do we intend to manage our time? All of these are questions that are uh, are directly related to our life direction. And if we're not careful and we don't communicate through this, these are going to be tension points within the marriage. The third tension point inside of a lot of marriages is the tension point of love languages. In my opinion, one of the best books written on marriage is called The Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. It's an older book, but it's absolutely gold, and I would encourage you to read it. The premise of the book is that every single one of us gives and receives love in one of five ways. Words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. And so chances are you naturally show love one of those five ways and you naturally receive love one of those five ways. And to complicate the matter, they don't have to be the same thing. Conversely, your spouse naturally gives love one of those five ways and naturally receives love one of those five ways. 
And so this can be a tension point in marriage because you might naturally show love to your spouse in a way that doesn't naturally resonate with them. And conversely, your spouse might naturally show you love in a certain way that doesn't naturally resonate with you. So we feel like we're showing love to our spouse, but our other uh, partner is not able to receive that. And so it requires us to come to the table and understand how does my spouse naturally receive love and how does my spouse naturally give love so that I can uh, reciprocate that in kind to them so that I can love them the way that they best feel it. You can kind of figure out your love languages by asking some questions. My spouse best meets my need for love by. Complete that sentence because when you complete that sentence, it helps shows you what perhaps your love language is. You can also figure out the, the love language of your spouse by asking them, hey, I, I, I best meet your need for love by doing what? Have them complete that sentence for you. The fourth tension point that comes up in marriage time and time again is the tension point of sex. Perhaps the most important aspect of our marriage is our sexual union because it is the only thing that truly separates our relationship with our husband and wife from every other relationship in life. Sex is powerful because it's the uniting factor that joins a husband and wife into one flesh, both spiritually, emotionally, and physically. It's so important to know that when you look at the book of Genesis, that it tells us that Adam knew his wife. This is a sexual term for intimacy, and it's also the same expression that's used, that God knew us. A healthy sexual union in your marriage is vital, but it's not just going to happen. It has to be cultivated. And what happens a lot of times is that sex becomes a tension point in our marriages because we don't have the skills, nor do we have the understanding of how to cultivate a healthy God on honoring sexual union inside of our marriage. And many couples are left feeling frustrated and defeated as a result. The fifth and final tension point of bringing alignment to the marriage is money. Money is one of those issues that has the power to rip your marriage apart very quickly. And let me tell you why. Because money touches literally everything that you do. Money touches where you live. Money touches what you eat. Money touches what you wear. Money touches what you drive. It touches how you provide for the needs of your children. Furthermore, you need it to survive. And because of that reality, and most of us feel like we don't have enough of it, money can become a tension very quickly inside of marriage. Couple, you need to listen to me. These five areas of tension point are going to come from time to time within the course of your marriage. I want you to think over the course of your marriage. And chances are every disagreement, every conflict you've had as a husband and wife probably come back to one of those five tension points. Think about the things that we've perhaps said in our own marriages. I wish we spent more time together. I wish you focused on me more than you focused on your phone. That's a, that's a love language tension point in that statement. Your parents are driving me insane. That's a family tension point inside the marriage. We're not intimate enough, and you only want affection from me when you want something else, or you only show affection to me when you want something else. That's a sexual tension point inside the marriage. Why are we spending all this money all the time when we should be saving? It's a financial tension point. These tension points are going to come up in your marriage, and if you're not careful, they will try to drive your marriage apart, and ultimately your marriage will crumble. So when these tension points come up, you need to deal with them sooner than later so you don't drift. Now, let's recap where we are to this point. Marriage is an alignment between two people and the Lord as their God. The problem with us as humans is that we bring baggage to the marriage, and that baggage often leads to tension points. The tension points are constantly going to come up in their life direction, their family, their love languages, their money, and their sex. 
You cannot stop these tension points. They're going to come. And when they start to come and pull up, we need to bring ourselves back into alignment. Now that we've identified the problem, the question then becomes, how do we bring alignment back into our marriage? Well, the three C's are required to bring alignment to a marriage. Remember, there are no right or wrong answers to a lot of these questions. So I can't give you specifics of what you should do inside of your marriage. You have to figure that out. But what I can provide you is a grid, if you will. The three C's are a grid. They're a pathway in order to bring alignment to your marriage. So when you feel tension come, you need to apply the three C's to your particular situation. What are those three C's to bring you back into alignment? The first C is communication. Every couple knows that communication is vital for a marriage, but most couples are actually pretty terrible at communicating with one another. If a couple intends to stay aligned with each other, then we must put in the hard work of figuring out how to communicate to our spouse. Now, the key is not communicating in the way that we are comfortable, but communicating in a way that our spouse can understand what we're saying and that we can understand what our spouse is saying to us. Let's hypothetically say that there's a tension point in your marriage uh, when it comes to your finances. And let's say one spouse is a spender and the other spouse is a savior. That tends to be how it works. One, one spouse tends to spend a lot of money and the other one tries to save a lot of money. And this tension point is obvious. The saver thinks that the spender is reckless with the money and the, the spender tends to think that the saver is, is, is too controlling, that there's not enough freedom inside of the marriage. And this tension tends to lead to arguments. Now, what a lot of us would do is we start to sit down and communicate in that moment. We start communicating facts or opinions. We would say things like, well, we need to start saving money. And I think that we should do A, B and C. We're just stated facts. We stated opinions without seeking to understand our spouse. That's ineffective communication. Communication in this situation would require us to actually sit down, communicate our hopes, our dreams, and our ambitions with our money, not to build a case against our spouse, but to develop an understanding and a plan. The spender needs to try to understand the goals of the saver, and the saver needs to try to understand the goals and the desires of the spender. We need to we need to look at each other's situations. We need to try to understand. We need to ask questions in order to understand what our spouse is trying to do. Now, once we have communicated, once we have accomplished the first C, that leads to the second C. And the second C of alignment is compromise. Once we have communicated and we come to an understanding, we then need to compromise in this tension point for the future. Remember, compromising means I give and my spouse also gives so that we can come back to the middle. And the middle is where we want to be. Because as we have drifted, we started in the middle, but as we have drifted, we have now gone one to the right and the other to the left. In order to have alignment, we need to come back to the middle. And that means we need to compromise. Compromise will be the highway in which your communication travels. Compromise will bring you back into alignment. Compromise has to be the decision-making driver. And compromise is what's going to make your communication effective. So get ready to compromise more than you both want to. 
That's the key. You're both going to have a have to give just a little bit more than what you're comfortable giving. So let's go back to our case study with money. After you have communicated and you understand each other's needs and desires and wants when it comes to your finance, you then have to compromise for a solution. And let's say the compromise is at the beginning of every month, you're going to sit down and you're going to write out a budget. The spender is going to get a little bit more freedom to spend money than they want to, but they're also going to give up a little bit more to the savings account like the saver would like. Now you have communicated and you have compromised. This is wonderful in theory, but the last C is what puts all of this into practice. And the third and final C of alignment is commitment. Communication and compromise is awesome in, in, in theory and on paper, but it requires savage commitment in order to stay on track. And here's what happens in a lot of our marriages. We, we communicate and we compromise and we change for a while, but we don't have the commitment and the follow through to stay the course. And what ultimately happens is we wind up going back to our old habits and our own patterns. We go back to our old fights and our own, our old arguments, and we get frustrated. We have to stay committed to stay on track because here's what happens. If you don't follow through with your commitments, if you only commit for a week or two, but you don't commit to the long haul, what's ultimately going to happen is you're going to find yourself right back in the same place of frustration. And you're going to have to start the process over again. And here's the problem with starting the process over again. Every time you have to commit again, and every time you fail to uphold your commitments, you're letting down your expectations, and it's going to be so much harder to do the next time. You can't just commit even in the small things. You have to commit in the big things. If your marriage is going to stay in alignment, you have to commit forever to fighting for that marriage and not fighting against each other. Because sooner or later, you're going to come to this tension point and the commitment to one another is so key in all of this. Now, I want to wrap all this up with a few thoughts. When, when a marriage is in alignment, it's one of the greatest blessings that God can give to individual people. And when the marriage is out of alignment, it's very frustrating. Now, maybe you're in a season where you are not in alignment in, and with your spouse. It's never too late to get back in track. You just have to put in the work. That's key. Everybody knows that marriage is work. But what is the work of marriage? The work of marriage is changing you. You are the work in the marriage. Work in marriage is becoming the right person for your spouse. And when both of you are trying to become the right person for the other person, it's a wonderful, harmonious situation. So when both people are constantly improving themselves and constantly identifying tension points and applying the three C's to marriage, the marriage is going to thrive and it's going to get better and better and better. And nothing can come in and break you. Why? Because you're in unison together. God is in the middle and a cord of three strands is not easily broken. I want to give you this thought. It's crazy the amount of preparation that goes into the wedding day in our American culture. In fact, I read a study a while back that said the average cost of the wedding in the United States is now $30,000. And that's just insane to me. Think of all the preparation, the time, the money that goes into the wedding day. We, we plan for months. We make sure that everything is perfect for the big day. We invite all of our friends and family to, to witness us becoming husband and wife. However, I truly believe that the first day of your wedding is the most least important day of your marriage. I don't think that there's a day that will ever be as important as the last day. Because here's what happens on the first day. You stand before a pastor, a priest, somebody performing your wedding, and you take vows. And in those vows, you say to one another, I'm committing to you until death does us part. 
And the thing that we have to understand is that every marriage is going to come to an end. And it's going to come to an end either in a divorce courtroom or it's going to come to an end at a deathbed. And the commitment that you made to each other on the first day is that you're going to see each other on your last day on this earth. And that's the goal of every single marriage. It's going to be an incredibly painful experience to have to sit there with your spouse as they exit this life. But that's the commitment you made. And that's the most important day. The last day of your marriage is the most important day. Where is that going to end? Do not let it be in divorce court. Do not let the enemy tear your marriage apart. Stay in alignment with one another. When the tension points come, they don't have to break you. They don't have to cripple you. Communicate in those moments. Compromise in those moments. And most importantly, commit to each other in those moments. And I promise you, nothing can come against you. And your marriage is going to have a long, vibrant life cycle to it. And it's going to be a blessing to you as individuals. I'm so thankful that you joined me today in this set of teachings. Look forward to the teachings that are coming out because I truly believe it's going to be a blessing to you. God bless.